Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you to raise the bar on your own performance and to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's episode. Hello, this is Hugh Ballou, president and founder of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. Today on the Nonprofit Exchange, it's me. And it's a special session that goes into a larger, a larger session. It's um, what we started out with a clergy intensive leadership. So we've now renamed it clergy and faith leader empowerment. So it's a journey we're on. And the journey is continuing every week with a new session. My session is the first one. We've had a webinar and you go to iRecharge. It's a recharge, iRecharge.live. And you can find the replay there. This is one of the follow-up sessions from 910 presenters counting me, each with a specific message over the next few weeks, culminating in a leadership symposium specifically for faith leaders. It's going to happen January 25th, 2022. If you're listening to this in another time past that, which many times I listen to podcasts that are years, years old, they're still valid and you can, you can find information at irecharge.live. That's a place where we'll have a placeholder for the replay and then information about purchasing the replay of the symposium. So there's five different segments I want to talk about today. This is the kickoff for the series with nine other clergy presenters. Each one has a unique message to empower, to encourage, to regenerate, to refresh. Some are, are experiential, some are how-to, some are stories. Mine is a perspective. How do we lead in strange times, uncommon times, unusual times? It's a time in history when clergy especially are the first responders to people in need, not necessarily people who've been damaged and have need hospitalization, but maybe we've been damaged in terms of our faith or emotions or other aspects that have to do with us being spiritual beings. So let me let me highlight five areas. This is not an ex exclusively everything. It's a 30-minute, 20-minute overview of here's some five things for you to think about. So the five areas are, number one, self-management. Number two, conflict management. Number three, clarity of vision. Number four, over-functioning. Number five, emotional control. Now, over-functioning emotional control are part of self-management. So is conflict management. <clears throat> but I've separated these. They're big enough issues that we need to address them individually. So let's start with self-management. Center Vision transforms leaders, transforming organizations, transforming lives. As faith leaders, we're in the business of transformation. It's a journey, a journey of spiritual development. We must manage ourselves and be aware of how we impact others. We 
sometimes show up as a representative of God because of our position. So rethink leading from a position of power to leading from an in a position of influence. Leaders are, in fact, influencers. So if we are leading worship, we are leading a study group, we are leading a service project, a ministry project, we are leading people in the faith community, we are not telling people what to do. We're opening up discovery, acquainting people with the paradigms of our faith that will shape the spiritual journey of everybody in the room, including us, the leader. I'm teaching a college course currently, and I'm learning as much as anybody in the room, and I'm teaching leadership, leadership as it pertains to organizational change. So there are aspects of self-management, being aware of how we come across. <clears throat> Communication is not just the words. That's 7%. How do we come across? Are we managing that? Are we managing our use of resources, including time? We have so much time in the day. Have we planned our day? You start the day with the plan you developed yesterday, not today. So at the end of the day, look at the specific opportunities and objectives for the next day. Define what they are and then go back and refine it. Usually I have to cut mine in half to make it doable because I'm too bold. And if you can't finish them, don't write them down. Think about how much each activity is going to take and then sequence it in your day. Sequence this in your day. So we put down the now. I've got to have this call. I've got to have this meeting. I've got to do this. All right. What about between this now and the next now? We need time to take notes from that meeting. We need time to transition. We need personal time. So we put the now, we put down the between now. So time management is a function of us thinking about priorities and putting them in sequence. So time, we can't manage time. We manage our use of the available resources, including time. Health. People tell me in any segment, I work 15-hour days. I work seven days a week. I haven't had a vacation in years. Wait a minute. Take time for yourself on that calendar. Think about what your personal time is. Write in personal time. Time to think, time to refine, time to evaluate. Spiritual, mental, physical, we need to take care of the whole person. Resting, playing. So managing time is a part of health. Really solid nutrition. Find a good nutritional plan from a nutritionist. There's an MD, takes care of your medicines, and there's a nutritionist. Not the same data, not the same skill set, not the same information and methodology. 
it's better to stay healthy than to try to cure something. And then personal growth. What are you doing every week to read something, learn something, grow your ability every week? So the category of self-management is a lot more than that. But how do we manage the use of resources? Have we taken care of ourselves? Do we show up fully prepared, regenerated, refreshed, and not driven, but called to service? Number two, conflict management. As a sector, clergy especially avoid conflict. I've seen it for the 32 years I've been working as an external presence and 40 years inside of small to mega churches. So managing conflict. Conflict is the sign of energy. We confront it means with your front. Confront is not negative. It's move toward conflict, speak to what the facts are, address it calmly, directly, with a personal eye contact engagement. And without the word, word you, you triggers a defensive mechanism, a defensive response. So somebody's doing something that's not acceptable. Hey there. I understood we agreed on this and that hasn't happened. How do we make a correction? How can we fix this? How can we adjust to what we have prior, priorly agreed to? So be direct, speak to the facts, stay calm. If we're anxious, it's contagious. So stay calm. Conflict might be something that we as a leader have set up because we weren't very clear on what we asked people to do. We weren't very clear on how to measure the results. We didn't check for understanding that the person doing the work understands the arrival point. And it's not conflict if they do it their way, as long as they get to the arrival, arrival point with specific results that have been defined. So it's performance expectations. We set up problems if we've not clearly defined the results. And really, if you're working with volunteers, it's time to check in in between now and the deadline. Every week, every other week, whatever needs to be in order to reach that goal and how far apart is that arrival point. So checking in is, is certainly helpful. So the, the whole area of conflict management is deal with it now because it's not going away and something very small grows and grows and grows and then it's really going to cause damage in the organization, in relationships, in results, maybe lost members. Deal with it now. Speak the facts. Speak directly. Speak the truth in love. And don't talk all the time. Listen. Maybe there was a different understanding. I understood this. Is that the same? Third area, clarity of vision. 
it's very clear. It's very clear that the leader shapes the vision for the organization. It's not a committee process. Here's the vision. I'm a Christian. In the Christian Bible, there's no place God gave a vision to a committee. We have been charged with a vision. Doesn't mean we do all the tactical part. We're the visionary and we engage people. And the more we do, the less they're able to do. And we're robbing them of implementing something that satisfies their passion for service. So clarity of vision. What is the vision for the organization you lead? Now, Christian church, the vision is to preach the gospel. Hmm. The mission, how do we do that? So the, when you see somebody on the street and they say, well, what is that that you do in this organization? You should be able to express that in one sentence, a very clear concept. And then the mission, they say, well, how do you do that? That's the application. The concept, application. Now, here's a big mistake. Really smart people, really good theologians, really good Bible scholars, really good preachers are not necessarily skilled in creating goals and strategy. Therefore, substituting the Great Commission of making disciples sometimes is misconceived as the mission of the church. No, that's the great commission in Christian literature, maybe different in Judaism and different in, in Islam. But what is the mission? That's not a mission. That's a commission. It's not a choice. Your mission is your choice of what you do. If your great commission is, as a Christian, of making disciples, then what do we do? We equip disciples for Christian service. We, we equip members for serving those in need. We equip, you see the, see the pattern there? So the vision is an institution that stands for a faith principle. The mission is we equip disciples for service by worship, Bible study, group interactions, projects, mission projects, inside, outside of our community. We serve others. That way, our ministry goes outside the four walls of our organization. So the clarity of vision, it's clear. We own it. Everybody understands it. Then we can do a program of work called goals. Then each committee, each person knows where to plug in. So you start with a vision, then you identify your objectives and then your short-term goals. Where are we going to be at this point? So it's a very clear statement of what you stand for and what you do. So if you go and search for church, mosque, synagogue, community, organization, vision and mission statements, you'll get an idea. You'll find some that aren't quite quite up to snuff, but it's very clear. This is what we do. It's very clear. That's the vision. This is how we do it. And we as leaders need to be very good at communicating that with passion. So people can say, I get it. I want to help. Here is my role. So we manage self. 
we manage conflict, and we set up clarity. Now, if we don't set up clarity, we're setting up conflict. Because what you thought you said isn't what they thought they heard, and we weren't clear, so they made up the what was missing. And then we get upset when they do something different than was what was in our brain, and we didn't, we didn't communicate. So, number four. This is a big one I see in any sector with any kind of leader in any size organization. It really compounds in larger organizations. It's called over-functioning. We do things that other people could do. Yes, we do them. We think we're being nice. We think we're gonna be helpful, but really we're robbing a member of an opportunity for service. They're there to act through their passion to serve. And we're doing it for them and they don't want us to do it for them. And therefore we irritate them. And we wonder why they don't show up. We wonder why they don't volunteer. We wonder when we've told people what to do. One big example is I visit worship services and it says in the order of service, please stand. And it says hymn 101. Sometimes on a scream, it says, please stand hymn 101. The leader, the pastor, the worship leader gets up and says, please stand if able and turn to him 101 and names it. It's already printed. I feel like they're treating me like an idiot. I can't read. Plus they're over-functioning on my behalf. And then they're going to complain. Nobody, nobody volunteers. Nobody takes initiative because we've taught them. I'm going to tell you everything to do. It's subtle, but we've taught them that don't do anything until I tell you. So we've created dependency by over-functioning for people. So the reciprocity to over-functioning is under-functioning. And in faith organizations, we come together. We come together to worship. We come together for our, our faith experience. This is where we unify the body of faith, the body of the, the organization. If we're not unified there, then we can't go out into our programs. We can't serve in the community. We must come together and be unified in our teaching, in our faith, in our journey. Then we go out and do. Because an hour on Sunday in my, my tradition does not transform anybody. It, it charges us. It, it refreshes us. It clarifies. It unites us. Then we're equipped to serve. And there needs to be things between this event and next week where we get to move forward with what we've learned, what we've been inspired to be. That's the central point of gathering. It's not everything. It's not a miracle time. It is time that really helps empower us to work as a unified community. So self-management, conflict management, being clear on what we've asked people to do, over-functioning, no. We learn to delegate. George, Sally, Sarah Jane, I know you're really good at this. Here's an important thing you can do for our organization. If you, Here's what I need. Boom, boom, boom. Here's what the results look like. Would you agree to do this? Okay, let's sit down and define the steps. You tell me what you think are the steps to go forward. You work with them, you agree on it, 
you have a pathway forward that they've helped define. They might, because you've selected somebody that's skilled, they might know, boom, 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 here's the steps. And you might only have to make a couple of adjustments. So you agree on the process, you agree on the timeline, you agree on, let's, let's touch base next week, see if you need anything from me. Transformational leaders, build leaders, equip leaders, provide information, provide support, provide encouragement. And we check in and we stay out of the way we get out of the way. We don't delegate and forget, but we don't delegate and micromanage. There might be some mentoring. We might have more subject matter expertise than they do. That's mentoring. Provide the information, let them do it in their way, as long as they get to the agreed upon results. So to make sure you can ask them to write down the steps and give it to you. That way, yes, they've committed to it by writing it down to, you know, they understand it because they've written it. So we haven't forgotten the steps. Keep in mind that typically people remember 10% of what they hear, 20% of what they see. And if you combine them, I hear it, I write it. 65 to 70%. And if there's a kinesthetic action piece that raises the bar, some things don't have that, but seeing and hearing together raises the retention, the understanding and the likelihood that they're actually gonna be successful in implementing this. And the fifth one is controlling our emotions. There are people who lose their temper in because they're wanting to control others because they've never learned to control their own emotions when we let emotion flood our brain we no longer are able to make thinking decisions it's not how you feel it's feeling informs your thinking now what are you going to think about and do worrying about somebody having empathy for somebody it's okay, but get out of it. We want to show people that we care by making principle-based decisions. So we control ourselves by saying, we're gonna stay calm. We're gonna address the facts. We're gonna move forward. We're gonna speak the truth in love when somebody doesn't understand and we have to make course corrections. We're not insulting them. We're helping them perform. So we set that paradigm at the beginning. Here's the pathway. Here's what I'm asking you to do. By the way, from time to time, I want to check in and we can, we can make some adjustments together. Is that okay? Because we're working this together and we'll need to help each other out. So I will help you by mentoring you on some of the steps because it's your vision, remember? Stay calm, move toward conflict, manage your own anxiety because that is highly contagious. So those are very simplified steps. This is a process of discovery, and you will have nine speakers coming weekly. And if you're in the space, irecharge.live, letter I, recharge.live, will get you to place to register. You can see the 90-minute webinar, which was 
really amazing. It was really amazing. You can watch it. And then you'll be notified when the other speakers release a 20 minute transformation talk. We're here to support you. Let us hear from, from you. So if you're in, in this space, you're getting the emails, you'll know how to respond to us. So sign up. If you don't want to be in the list, you can unsubscribe. It's free. You might as well take advantage of it. This is Hugh Ballou. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for caring and serving. Thank you for listening to The Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.